is it true that you can leap over a chair from a standing position? It depends on the size of the chair. Uh, I'll cheat a little bit. The big electron, the big electron. So I have cheated very badly, you see. What's Bobby talking about here? We are monsters out in the cosmos. That can swallow entire stars. Nothing is more seductive. Yes! Are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Are you feeling it? Of course you feel it. Now, what do you want to know? What I want to know is what's going on. I think it's time to blow this thing. Get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a great show for you tonight. Let's get right to it. All right, welcome to The Big Electron on KCU 88.1 FM. I'm Jackie. I'm Adam. I'm Madeline. I'm Anahita. And we're glad that you're tuning in with us today. Um, we have a great show for you today. Today we're talking about... Reproducibility. Mm-hmm. And real quick, I'm going to just define reproducibility for us all. So we're on the same page. Reproducibility is the ability of an ex- entire experiment or study to be duplicated either by the same researcher or by someone else working independently. Reproducing an experiment is called replicating it, and reproducibility is one of the main principles of the scientific method. And that's why it's so important that we that we publish our methods and exactly how we did everything. Like That's a, real, a big part of a paper. So, um, yeah, that's exactly why we do it. Yeah. If you're uh, a scientist and you do a thing and then everybody else tries to do that thing and they can't, you might not be doing science. Uh, everything that you do as a scientist should be uh, not unique to yourself. It should be something that if another person came along, did the exact same experimental setup and did the exact same stuff, they'll get the same result. That's mm-hmm. the whole idea. So we're going to talk about some of um, these situations where reproducible re- re- reproducibility does not happen. <laughs> I got there eventually. I reproduced Yay! the word I wanted. <laughs> so one of the issues that has been um, that came to light a few years ago, um, it's, it started. Um, it started back in oh I don't I don't know when uh, but not that long ago not that long ago um, but time. it started <laughs> it started as kind of a they call it a, an epidemic nowadays um, so this this article that I have here it's from 2013 so about three years ago and what they were looking at was it, what what this article reports and kind of what it all started about attacking reproducibility um, was that people at Pfizer in Novartis uh, that are mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. they were trying to reproduce results that were published by academics, uh, so researchers in academia and mm-hmm. nonprofit organizations. And they found that they couldn't reproduce what they were getting, and what, there was what, a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them. So a they couldn't, they couldn't get to the conclusion that they wanted to get, or mm-hmm. that that the paper had published, mm-hmm. right? And it was, of course, um, if you're a pharmaceutical company, you want to reproduce this conclusions because, well, maybe you can create a drug, mm-hmm. maybe you can, you know, make a vaccine, a new treatment for something or cure something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Something um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's pretty cool. That mm-hmm. sounds pretty cool. But um, they kept running into this. And so they decided to take matters in their in their own hands and started uh, attempting to replicate those. And they couldn't find it. So Novartis, the Division of Oncology, could only validate, fully validate, only 23% of 70 published studies wow. that they tested. Yikes. That's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is, what, 14, about 20 studies, 20 out of 70? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's very little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's very little. <clears throat> and keep in mind, <clears throat> yeah, what, uh, what they're... What a lot of these studies are, especially uh, when you're a pharmaceutical company, you look for the 
the ones with the highest profile. So mm -hmm. the ones that are published in science or nature or cell or all of this really high profile journals. And they look at those and they say, no, actually you can't we really can't do that. that yeah, you can make that happen. Um, Sigma Aldrich, which is a chemical company, uh, did a, a survey of scientists that work at academic or nonprofit institutions. And they found that only out of 364, only 22% said that they could reproduce published results from other labs. Wow. <laughs> and it just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking about, about those statistics as, as we move on, because unfortunately those are not only found in biology, they are found throughout the all the science, all of the sciences, all, all of the er, most of what uh, most of the areas that do research. Mm -hmm. There is, they have found those those issues, and of course, you know it's a little bit more <gasps> surprising uh, when it comes to biology because you know if you have it right, then you can probably yeah. make a difference. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so um, and it's one of those fields that. You put this chemical in and you have this cell line and, you know, mm -hmm. they're very physical things that are happening. Um, not, they shouldn't really be based on people's biases or, um, you know, the the readings should be the same. Right. We see science as a fact. Yeah. This is what happened. Mm -hmm. This is the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, uh, the four of us and probably many people listening would also, uh, maybe instinctively have sort of a bias thinking, well, the, the so-called hard sciences might be a little bit less mm. uh, prone vulnerable. to this kind of, mm -hmm. yeah, less vulnerable than the, the social sciences yeah. like, right. you know, economics, psychology, political science, and so on. Um, turns out that might be wrong. Uh, we're, um, we're I mean, just we like think that. that because we don't have to ask the molecules, do you like binding <laughs> to this other molecule? There's, there's no surveys involved. So it just seems like it's harder mm -hmm. science, but Clearly, including in the hard sciences, this is like mm -hmm. epidemic levels. Yep, there like are, said, yeah, there like are many, many issues. And one of the things that they mentioned here, um, so again, this is Novartis, and they were the head of of this um, of the oncology division for Novartis, uh, William Sellers. Um, he said that now they have to routinely genotype all cancer cells that yes, they use. That's really important. Um, uh, and do you know why that is? Like, so um, back when they started cell culture, it was all super exciting. And some of the first lines they got were cancer cells. And then they got better at, at culture. And then they would get like just normal healthy cells that were not cancerous. And they'd be working so with So what do they mean by cell cultures? Okay, yeah. So, you know, cells exist in your body. They exist as part of tissues or, you know, just doing things. Um, they don't particularly like being in Petri dishes, um, but we really wanted them to be. So um, back a couple decades ago, that was a really important thing. They could tell that, you know, if we could get these cells in culture, then we could do all these experiments outside of the human body and learn all these things. So, so cell culture is just like an environment that's easy for us to study? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a basically a petri dish with some goo in it for nutrients. Yeah. And just like a bacteria or something, you can grow, say, uh, clones of maybe a skin cell or some, yep. some mm -hmm. kind of cell take that a small survives sample. in that environment. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to make primary cell culture, you take, we'll say, a mouse brain and you crush it up and then you put some um, certain types of media on there that the cells like to grow in and then you just have it growing in a petri dish. Sometimes they like to lay flat on the bottom and... They just live happily, either floating or adhered to something. It's like a little and, cell. Yeah. <laughs> cell Ecosystem. Culture. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a culture right there. That's what it's at. So, so anyway, yeah. um, back a long time ago, uh, they had been doing all this cell culture. And then they started finding that, wait, we have the cell culture and it's this normal non-cancerous cell, and then all of a sudden it turns cancerous. And so people thought this was just <laughs> cancer coming out of nowhere, and this is just spontaneous generation of cancer because, you know, that mm -hmm. happens in the human body. So we were Maybe. finding the point where cancer began in yeah. a Petri dish, and therefore we can find the point where cancer began in a human yeah. body. Yeah, so they got really excited about that, and then it turns out it was all contamination. It's just that the... Um, the cell cancer, the cancer cell lines were so strong and so robust and, wow. you know, like to 
get into things and then they would just take over basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, as, that's as why that's important. cancers in a real human body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're, they're really good at that. Yeah. So what they, what they said here in, um, the artists, this person that when they checked that now they have to check, uh, they found about 5% of the cell lines were not what they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So what they thought it was be melanoma cancer. No, what they, what they thought it was supposed to be breast cancer cell line. It was instead a melanoma mm-hmm. cancer cell line. So it's completely different. And then they found that about 10% of samples included more than one cell type. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to study only one thing, Got to make sure that, and that too makes that, sense. That's why you have, and that uh-huh. sort of accounts for some of those, mm-hmm. some of those errors, reproducibility issues that yeah. you have in in biology, because you have so many variants uh-huh. as to what you use, so that you can make your thing work, because you're focused on only one thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you pull out a tube that is labeled melanoma, you know, cells, you're mm-hmm. going to believe it's melanoma cells. And once you look at them, it's not like it looks like a liver or a kidney and you're like, <laughs> oh, this is clearly a heart Nod, cell. Yeah. Um, a lot of them, a lot of them look very, very similar. They look very cell-like. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But, um, really, Adam? Very cell-like? Th- that's my, that's my science-y <laughs> term. Uh-huh. Right uh-huh. I, I got the big words. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, um, uh, yeah, no, I don't. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're yeah we're humans. Yeah, uh, turns out, and that means uh, maybe excessively so. And yeah. we're, <laughs> we're definitely capable of making those mistakes. And it's disturbing to find out just how often we make them and then publish it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. So Jackie, do you have any more on the um, the medical front? Well, sort of. I've been <laughs> trying to fight uh, stuff, but no. I mean, there is you know it's an issue that that's been happening. Um, it's still being covered. Mm-hmm. There was actually an article published. Like I said, this article that I have in front of me was published three years ago, three, two years ago. And if if you just Google it, there was an article published two weeks ago mm. on this exact same issue. You know, so it's still happening. And it's something that now, like it's an issue now. And they call it an irreproducibility epidemic. Mm-hmm. They need you know, we all need to um, come together and try to find what, how, how to fix it or, or, you know, but before you learn how to fix it, you have to identify how we got there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense how we got here and, um, you know, here in as quote unquote hard scientists, we always think we have the answers, but I think the answers to this question come from the psychologists and the economists because they're the ones who ask like why we are so human. And that's yeah. the error here for the most part. Yeah. Are we human or are we scientists? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say real quick, um, there are two main components to a reproducible study. The first being the actual raw data that the experiment puts out. And the second being the analysis or the statistical yeah. Um, work or processing done on the data to develop a result. And so when we talk about how we're human, that's two places where human error can Mm -hmm. really mess things up. Yeah, human error. And also, I mean, we were talking about this earlier. As grad students, oh my gosh, we (laughs) we deal with this stuff all the time. I can do, you know an experiment. It's not even an experiment. I'm just trying to, you know, make a, a, make a specific piece of DNA. I do it one day. It doesn't work. I do it the next day. Exact same. doesn't work. I do it the third day. Oh, look, it worked. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's part of it is mm-hmm. that sometimes there's just variability in the nature of mm-hmm. the study and the science mm-hmm. and, um, stuff like that. But then there's the human part too. And how much have we like as kids played the telephone game and shown yeah. how, if I say something to one person, such as a protocol, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they interpret that protocol how they will, and then they pass it on to another graduate student, passes on to another graduate student. You know, it just takes one one place for the chain to mess up, mm-hmm. for there to be this downward spiral where the science is lost mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. And then you have my graduate project. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, 
it's a rough time. <laughs> trouble at the lab. <laughs> I think we all do trouble, at some point. As, as Madeline said, trouble getting something to work that used to work for me and now it doesn't. Yep. Yeah. And there's some variation in there that mm-hmm. you can't real, we identify. don't know. There's so many factors. And, there's and no it'll w- probably work for me next week, you know. But and you I don't won't you won't why. know why. It I won't changed. know why. Yeah. I mean, like I'll work with an undergrad and I'll I'll show them how to do it. I'll tell them how to do it. I'll watch them do it. But as soon as I step out of the room, <laughs> somehow the procedure changes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who well, knows? yeah. Who knows? We're talking about when you do the stuff yourself or. Oh, that's one. true. Yeah. That's sure. <laughs> so, uh, so assuming we're all competent scientists and can accurately, you know, follow the protocols, you know, there is yeah. still a degree of variability. Mm-hmm. And even, Absolutely. Even that though, I mean, not to, not to make a joke out of it, but that's kind of a dubious assumption when it comes to these huge projects that yeah. involve, you know, mm-hmm. 20 or 30 people working in a, in a, in a gigantic lab. Some of those folks made probably more mistakes than others. And that, yeah. That's going to happen. You know, you have folks who are brand new to this sort of stuff mm-hmm. or, you know, right. grad students who perhaps weren't paying the proper amount of attention mm-hmm. when they put something together <clears throat> myself. Um, <laughs> you know, that that sort of thing does happen. That is a uh, mm-hmm. that is a factor. You've got a lot of sets of hands mm-hmm. on one single thing. Yeah. And who mm-hmm. knows which one of them <laughs> messed it up, if any. Sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes that happens. But sometimes, you know, it's just I hate to say this it's just plain cheating. Right, yeah. like, oh, yeah. and, sure. and you don't want that peak. Let's just get rid of that peak. Yeah, or you know, it worked one time. We only need that mm-hmm. one thing for that one figure mm-hmm. for the paper. Yeah, it doesn't matter that it didn't mm-hmm. work the twenty other times that you tried it. This one worked, so let's mm-hmm. put it on there. It's the pretty one, picture. Yeah. yeah. One of the articles that I'll go into a little bit more detail on later on uh, during the show. Um, uh, there's a, an attempt to reproduce a whole lot of high-profile uh, bits of research and high-profile studies into drug discovery. And um, one of the authors of that survey said they talked to one of the original PIs, one of the lead researchers that put together one of these studies, that they said, well, we tried to reproduce your experiment 50 times, and we could not get it to work. Um, so they asked him, and they interviewed him in detail, and he wasn't hiding anything. There was no fraud going on here, mm-hmm. but he said... The, the PI eventually explained that they had done it six times and got this result once, but they put it in the paper because it made the best story. Mm-hmm. Quote. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because there is there's a big difference between this one conclusion, this one figure mm-hmm. that can get you published in um, OK Journal or can get you mm-hmm. published in Science. Or published and, versus not published. If, it, yeah. if that's what the reviewers want, yeah. you cannot get it published if you don't give it to them. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to the hyper-competitive nature of mm-hmm. academia. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. It's partly due to the system. Right. Yeah. If you only are um, valid if you publish results, then there's this great pressure to publish anything and everything, mm-hmm. even if it only happened once, even if you can't really explain it, mm-hmm. even if it's still just to tell the story you need to tell to get published. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If your other results don't quite make sense, well, I guess they just won't be included. They'll be in another Bummer. paper, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a surprising amount of wiggle room when it comes to how you interpret your raw data. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, making up your data, some people do it. Obviously, that's fraud and that's mm-hmm. very bad. But how you interpret the data is... You can have some pretty fanciful kind of yeah. explanations in there and get yeah. that published. And there theory. are some fields that allow you to be a little bit more malleable in that case, right? There's some fields that, ah, well, you can think about it this way or think about it this other way. And this other way makes a better story. So mm-hmm. let's go with that way. Um, there's some other fields that it's a little bit harder to do. But if you really want to publish because you're on tenure track, you're an assistant professor, you're on your fourth fifth year Mm -hmm. you need to publish Mm -hmm. otherwise you're not going to get tenure you have to do something like that it's it's like anahita said hyper uh, hyper competitivity Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) there we go uh it's a publish or perish Mm -hmm. culture nowadays and even i mean there's a million other things too even if you say you're a tenured professor you don't really care you know like you're you're worried about doing the best science you're really excited about this this project you're embarking on, it has the potential to be really novel. Well, then you're leaving yourself open to confirmation bias. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's something that is super dangerous also. And again, it's high profile. 
you want to tell the story because that would be great for science and it's a totally noble, yeah. <laughs> a, a noble motivation behind what you're doing, but it's also, you know, can lead to blinding yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, drug discovery, uh, like when you get to clinical trials, those are so-called double blind experiments, uh-huh. Eventually. right? So the researcher is not supposed to know which of his uh, or her, excuse me, patients um, mm-hmm. are uh, except receiving the drug or, or not. Or a placebo. Right? Mm-hmm. right. Yeah, a placebo. But when it comes to the basic research studies like that we do in biology labs and academia, those are not double blind. And no, because you're, you're the person project. doing it. Yeah, you're the one, you're the one pipetting things uh-huh. in and out of there. Are you sure you it's not A? <laughs> you probably know which one is which uh, out of your control group versus your experimental mm-hmm. group, yeah. for example. And even if you like try to blind yourself, sometimes you're like, well, that's probably the treated one because it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a, a point that I like to make is that we're not saying that scientists are not integer or that set out to cheat on this one not thing. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. That's I don't think I've ever met someone who was flat out just... Yeah, and it for the wrong reason. Yes, yeah. for the or, yeah. wrong reason. Sometimes, you know, you, it slips. Some other times you have to find a way to get published. Mm-hmm. And so this is the way to do it. And, you know, you don't publish the 10 other failed attempts, mm-hmm. but this one worked. So mm-hmm. And like negative data is not... Mm-hmm considered um, data or publishable data. data. Yeah. Right. It's not respected. Yeah. It's not respected for at sure. all. Even if you could publish it, it's not going to be impactful. Nobody's going to care basically, mm-hmm. which yeah. is frustrating. Like it's, it's equally as valid. It could save someone else time and money. It could time. save someone's so graduate time. career. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> someone's actual career. Yeah. 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 And yeah. if you get that one out of 10 that works, I mean, you're not just going to, you know, be cynical about it and say, well, it's just one out of 10, but you know, I can publish it. You're probably thrilled. Oh, exactly. Oh, you know, you believe it. You mm-hmm. know, you've, thought it worked. You've convinced yes. yourself yeah. with that one. Especially yeah, if it's what should have worked. Yeah. You yeah. know, according to your should hypothesis, yeah. like this, this makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So where would these things be caught? Where in the process of science should the one result be stopped from being the, the truth? I think it has many different ways to be stopped. For one, it starts in the lab. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know as a scientist that you need to have at least three reproducible, mm-hmm. like matching do, yeah. reproducible results. And part of it is do you have the time and the energy to make that happen uh, and or the right. money and the right. reagents? Right. Because some right. stuff Especially is really like expensive. Super, yeah. Yes. Or take, you know, a year mm-hmm. if you work in plants and then... Cost, yeah. cost and time are yeah. both yeah. major factors and they're more so or if less you the take, same thing too. If you take yeah. three years... And ten thousand dollars to create three reproducible results is that just as valid as somebody who got it on this first day? I don't know. It depends on you that's know. That's a great question. It depends yeah, on the I next no step. Idea. You yeah. can't you can't know at this step. Mm-hmm. And also, that's really vague. It might depend yeah. on the science. So if you're talking about something that takes a year to figure out, mm-hmm. like then three years would be valid for yeah. three reproducible. Are we talking results. about the the person who's working on a corn plant? No, the person who did it in one day is. Is wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but but other things. Yeah. Other are the things like my project. Uh, I had been working on this one project for the first year that I was here, and it mm-hmm. failed, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. So my boss finally said, "Okay, why don't you try this other thing?" It was a completely unrelated thing, and I get my first set of data, and this thing worked. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, I was like, no, it's wrong. <laughs> what is this? I, I did something wrong. I did something wrong. So I, I repeated it that, and I was super careful to make sure mm-hmm. that I did exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and and it turns out it worked. So, you know, it's one of those lucky things that, that happened. But usually when something works, you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? Because <laughs> this shouldn't work. And I guess like in the same vein as that question, I would ask these reproducibility studies, um, these people that check how reproducible stuff is, if like how many times they tried to reproduce it. Mm -hmm. So if it does take just a long time for some things like corn, Mm -hmm. just takes a long time for corn to grow. Mm -hmm. How much time and effort are they putting into it? Do they want it Mm -hmm. to reproduce? Yeah. Well, in the case of the pharmaceuticals, yeah, they do. You know, they want to make this into a drug. Mm-hmm. So, so they can sell it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what I about, think that's... 
So, so what about we, we've been talking about pharmaceuticals, but is there other areas? And we said at the beginning that there's other areas where they have the same issues. What are those? Some of those areas. What are some of those examples? All I, the areas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I found a um, a study that was in economics, and I found the way that they worded it hilarious because um, <laughs> ra- they said over half of economics, you know, papers published in these top tier journals are reproducible, which is like cool, <laughs> I guess. It Yay. was it was some number in the sixty percent, and. Yeah, we got a D minus. Yay, yeah. good good for us. As a field. Our yeah. field. <laughs> the best in our field got a D minus. Um, so that's economics. And you could kind of argue that, you know, economics, there are a huge number of variables. Yeah. And it matters how you take into consideration each of those variables. Um, one of the other fields that I was kind of surprised um, to be talking about this issue was computer science. Like, it's a computer. <laughs> it's supposed to be exactly the same every time. And so, I don't know, to me, I just found that very surprising. Like, you know, if I give you the code or if I give you, um, you know, the assumptions that we made and or the equations that we used, mm-hmm. your computer should be able to run it <laughs> just like my computer can. So, yeah, I, I have not exactly that digested is, that one yet. Yeah, that one's kind of hard to wrap my brain mm-hmm. around. I think we'd probably all have to be more knowledgeable about computers to Absolutely. really, yeah, that's to really true. get that one. I, I would say, I, as, as I mentioned before before the show when we were talking, um, I, I've been working with some computer science folks, mm-hmm. and I, I'm starting to get a, a grip on one aspect of it that I, I think I can phrase a little better than I did before. <laughs> they are, the folks doing this, these aren't just, you know, um, folks, you know, writing code. They're, they are doing computer science, so they're also pushing the boundaries on what we know and what we don't know about mm-hmm. how to do these things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of these folks in an academic kind of computer science lab are are running up against the edge of how they know how to do stuff. Hmm, that's <laughs> so cool. There's Which is cool. You know, it's one so. of the things that, that science is about and research is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. It's the novelty. You're pushing for new things. You're right. setting out to you know, discoveries and new ideas and all this stuff that, yes, you don't know whether it's right or wrong, yeah. you know, if like you're the, if you're the, walk. yeah, if you're the first person to do it, if you're the first person to encounter it, then yes. Yeah. And they don't know whether the code they're writing, for mm-hmm. example, may have a practical application or whether it's using valid premises to uh, you know, make a model of something mm. or other, and, and to test so the specific thing that people use it for later. Right, right. So there's, I don't understand the technical details myself, but there's, they're um, they're also advancing their field, and mm-hmm. that just like with the rest of us, puts them at risk of, of uh, making a lot of nonsense if they mm-hmm. <laughs> if they're not very careful. So I don't know if it made any sense what I just said, but I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna stick to it. That's so. okay. <laughs> yeah, but but. It happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happens everywhere. Uh, okay, we're going to go on our first uh, short musical break, and then we'll be back with some of uh, more irreproducibility issues <laughs> and hopefully things of how people are working out to get them solved. You're listening to The Big Electron on KCU 88.1 FM. All right, welcome back to The Big Electron on KCAU 88.1 FM. Thank you for listening. Alahita, you love that? I love it so much. I love PSAs. So cute. Those were amazing. There you go. For for nerds out there, for geeks, or however you like to describe yourself. Um, Okay, so we're talking about issues in study reproducibility, mostly in, in academia. And we talked about uh, the issues that happen in drug discovery, uh, economics, computer science, uh, and another field that this happens a lot, uh, there's been even studies about it, are um, its psychology. Mm -hmm. So there is this one paper that was published uh, in PLOS One, the Public Library of Science, and they reported in this article that they had tried to, that nine other, nine separate experiments, so nine different groups, separate, they don't, they're not related, tried to reproduce the results of a famous psychology study from 1998. Okay. Okay. Nine separate ones 
try to reproduce this. Did they do this together? I mean, no, no, no. They're separate. Like, they didn't know that the other groups were doing this. Uh, apparently not. And they failed to to get to this. So they were all like, this is a fishy study. This is, this is, this makes no sense at all. Uh, and, you know, this was uh, kind of what, what, um, they call it they call it priming. So mm. priming studies suggest that decisions can be influenced by apparently irrelevant actions or events that took place just before the cusp of a choice. Uh, mm. So this is a boom area in psychology over the past decades. And so people are, are looking at, and into this. And so this one article uh, was about intelligence test um, leading to a higher score if you think about a professor instead of imagining a football hooligan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, it, again, it's something about psychology and the lack of being able to reproduce this. this and thing. that's an important, I, I imagine that kind of study would have come from everyone goes to this big psychology conference and then there's, you know, you, you're presenting a poster and you're just poor grad student saying, oh, look, we couldn't reproduce this. And then someone notices like, hey, there's five, ti- you know, five posters that are all titled the same thing. <laughs> and, you know, it sounds like it sounds like negative data, but it's actually it's interesting data. and important yeah. and, you know, contrary. Yeah. Well, not to pile on psychology. Um, it wasn't wasn't a deliberate attempt on our part, but um, I'd also found uh, an article um, from actually um, a little while ago, uh, several months, that uh, I'll quote from it. An international team of experts repeated 100 experiments published in top psychology journals and found that they could reproduce only 36% of the original findings. Um, that's not a great number, and apparently it's caused sort of a a psychological crisis, if you will, among <laughs> psychologists. I'm sorry. Um, but um, but interesting aspect of this is they had different aspects of psychology, different subfields within it, had very different rates of reproducibility. Oh. So hmm. uh, 75% of social psychology experiments, social psychology, uh, could not be replicated by this so, group. So that's like studying how groups interact and like people interact with each other and everything, I believe. Yes, in a psychological sense. Yes. Yes. Um, Whereas cognitive psychology, which is dealing with um, mental states and uh, sort of internal processes, Mm -hmm. um, half of the studies failed the reproducibility test. Okay. So that's not great at all, but it's much better than the other (laughs) subfields. So that implies there's some methodological differences going on Mm -hmm. there between those two fields that um, it's having an impact on whether it's... um, reproducible stuff mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. pretty fascinating and maybe it's that survey thing again you know you you don't we don't have to ask our our molecules whether mm-hmm. they you know want to bind to each other on a scale of one to five but in yeah social i do i do ask more. i do ask my dna though oh. i usually I tell ask it, please nicely. work please yeah. <laughs> i yell at mine <laughs> very cool i have to be stern <laughs> like you guys are gonna work this time <laughs> but one, one interesting aspect of this of this particular one in psychology, and I, and I want to emphasize, we've got some other stuff that we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about that we've already talked about that's even worse than the psychology numbers, so this is not to pick on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, one of the psychologists who was part of the study uh, pointed out an issue uh, that he believes may have some impact on why this happens, mm-hmm. um, which is that, and I'll, I'll quote him, if I want to get promoted or get a grant, I need to be writing lots of papers. Uh-huh. But writing lots of papers and doing lots of small experiments isn't the way to get one really robust right answer. Mm-hmm. What it takes to be a successful academic is not necessarily that well aligned with what it takes to be a good scientist. Mm-hmm. So if you're just, you know, if you're being forced by the nature of the business to put out mm-hmm. a whole lot of Mm-hmm. Uh, papers, then just like we've been talking about, you might get a little bit of desperation and things might be a little bit, um, you might be more inclined to see, you know, positive output when yep. there's not really much there. Yeah. More papers and also high impact papers in those really big journals mm-hmm. that have these really wowing results. Yeah. Cause we go back to the hyper competitive field mm-hmm. that, right. we're, that we're in and not field, but just how it, how it works nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Of, of academia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what, what is one of the issues, though, that... Well, yeah, so, I mean, I think we've already talked about hyper-competition a little bit, as yes. in, you know, competing with your peers, 
um, competing with um, people for within funding. your department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that's the main thing, competing for funding. And one of the ways that you can get funding is if you get published. Yep. Right. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it's it? It's a very yeah. vicious cycle. And then... Absolutely. How do you get published? Yeah. Well, There's- it kind of depends on... Uh, who reads your paper. So through the mm-hmm. publication process, you have peer review, yep. mm-hmm. which... Um, which is really important. Absolutely. That's those. These are uh, your peers. They're the other experts within your field. They have enough information about the science you're doing to be able to accurately decide if what you're doing is you know, valid, it's new, mm-hmm. it's interesting and reproducible. Mm-hmm. Or if you like forgot this really important, you know, Absolutely. thing. So when you're submitting a paper to be reviewed by your peers, um, you can be kind of selective about it. Yep. And I think that that's somewhere that a problem could come from if you're picking just your friends to peer review something. Which sounds really shady and it sounds weird that this is a thing, but it's also really important. Um, I mean, the fact that you do have kind of friends and enemies in the field, people that you respect or don't respect, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, science, like the law, right? Should be blind, but Mm -hmm. we all know how well that works. Um, And so (laughs) there's also all these conflicts of interest. So no, I don't want Professor X um, reviewing my paper because it's not published yet. And if he was working on something very similar, mm-hmm. yes, he would be an expert in it, but he might also just hold my paper up eh, just a couple months, no big deal, long enough to get his paper out, at which point mine is no longer val- or you know, no longer novel. novel so we yeah. call that being scooped. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like it makes sense why you're a- allowed to suggest who right. reviews these things. Because you don't want someone who's intentionally going to hinder the process yes. of publications to... Mm-hmm. Which may not happen much. Uh, professors nowadays have a lot of things on their plate. They, they have to publish papers. They mm-hmm. have to manage the lab, teach, so, uh, serve on committees, and you name it. Oh my they are not so. getting paid for mm-hmm. peer review. Nope. Mm-mm. This is just the editor contacts them and says, hey, I have this paper that it's within, it's somewhere around your area and in do you want to be a reviewer for it? Mm-hmm. And you have a month or two or however many days to review to review this article. And then, you know, then peer review can become a little bit different because mm-hmm. you have so many other things on your plate that it's a little bit sloppy mm-hmm. right? that yes. you don't necessarily... And there's no alternative. You that. can't pay people for peer review because no. then there's a conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. And so then it goes back to the, okay... I will read it, you know, I'm not gonna read it on the sense of, I'm gonna scoop you, I'm gonna read it on the sense of, okay, let's let's see what, um, you know, what this article is about. And you can either say, yeah, it's great. I mean, yes, you, you read it, you look at the conclusion and you say, yes, you guys did a great. Or, so this one can bypass so many of those mistakes mm-hmm. that the people that want to publish the article did. And this is where, again, that reproducibility issue that, oh my gosh, yes, they had this great figure that it all makes sense mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Or you are another type of reviewer and you said, oh no, this isn't, this should, this, it's not gonna work. You know, I don't approve this per publication unless you prove this one thing. And this is what uh, Madeline was saying earlier, then, you cannot get published unless you have that one figure, even mm-hmm. if that one figure is the right result mm-hmm. out of the 10 attempts that you did. Yeah, yep. So it's a vicious cycle and you go back, back, back to, okay. Yeah, okay, so we have um, uh, a conflict of incentives, right? That we think is mm-hmm. largely um, the bad guy here. <laughs> <laughs> Causing all these issues. So we have um, hyper competition, some mm-hmm. confirmation bias that's happening. Um, you have friends and enemies in science. I would argue that some of it is just, we put a huge emphasis on statistics in order to make sure that um, we are being 
un, we're being objective about what we're seeing. Like, no, it's not that just that it looks improved to me. I can show it with numbers. And so there's this huge emphasis on statistics and you want your p-value to be less than 0.05. And, um, you know, I've taken a biostatistics class, but we don't necessarily always practice all those things. And some of that stuff can get really confusing. And so I think part of it is that there's not um, readily available biostatisticians all the time. You know, if if I were designing a university, I would just make that like a a, a free for everyone thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this speaking from experience here as, as you are, mm -hmm. the, the statistics in biology is like the wild west. So yeah. there's not, there's not really a huge amount of standard, uh, for making sure that, um, that everybody is doing the same thing with that. I mean, that's pretty flexible how you apply those statistics to yeah. and the people doing them aren't necessarily, you know, lifetime experts. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. no, they didn't study statistics. That's not what they're passionate about. Right. Uh, they've studied these other things. Um, and so, so part, so the NIH has been, you know, trying to help address that, but, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how it works. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would say that part of this, well, maybe we'll talk about the solution here in a little bit. So I'll well, save my thought <laughs> for that. Well, um, but yeah, so, and part of it, I guess is again with the friends and enemies there, it used to be that people would share data more, but they don't necessarily. Right. But before we get into that real quick, I want to say, I want to talk a little bit about how much money we're spending on, on science. Um, and I don't mean yeah. that in a completely general <laughs> term. I mean the specific figure, which is um, a study, an economic study said that we were spending somewhere around $28 billion a year on non-reproducible research. Wow. Which is a crazy amount of money. That seems fair. Yeah. 28 million or billion? Billion. With wow. a B. With a B. So the bigger one. <laughs> <laughs> Which begs the question, why are we spending this money on science? All the politicians have to be wondering, you know, why are our tax dollars going to this? How can I, you know, mm -hmm. well, how can I put that somewhere more mm -hmm. efficient? Not only the politicians would be wondering that. Yeah. that one of the articles that I saw earlier was uh, a study funded by some pharmaceutical companies who do drug development, and they found that some huge percentage, like a ridiculous percentage of the basic science studies that they were using to try to develop these drugs were not valid or reproducible. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's... They're, they're yeah. very frustrated by this. It's like, where's all this money going? We're wasting our own money trying uh -huh. to follow up on these things that turn out to be not necessarily legitimate. So. so we've kind of discussed actually why we would not want to limit the funding on science, even though it seems like we're spending so much on things that are not reproducible. If we, we already have this super competitive environment mm -hmm. and getting our papers out so we can get funding and is this vicious cycle that we're in limiting the funding available is only going to make the system worse. Yeah. It's only going to push for these papers that, you know, have that one result that we need to get that paper, to get that grant. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's only going to make the problem worse. We should consider getting more, more money into science yeah. because then there isn't that crunch of, I just have to get it out just mm -hmm. so I can make more money. Yeah. yeah. And not necessarily pressure. just make more money. Uh, yeah, it's I, I just fund your research. Right. Yeah. I don't mean it not that shut yeah. down. this money is going towards the scientists yeah, and the yeah, scientists yeah. No. alone. I mean, make more money for the group. For the group, but make... Make more money for the science. Make more money mm -hmm. just so we can get to the point where the science is good. Because science is really expensive. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's extremely expensive. Biology and chemistry are so expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Just getting one reagent, that one pure reagent that you really need can have like four figures and oh, yeah. you only get like a oh. liter of it <laughs> or even less than that. Oh yeah, I work in milligrams. And so when I read like a candy bar and it tells me how many grams of sugar uh -huh. there are, I'm like, that's so much. <laughs> Gram, that's crazy. It is, it is a, I, work, I work with uh, Picomoles. So that's goodness. <laughs> so small. That is a tiny, tiny amount, and you mm -hmm. know it's it's really, really expensive. 
to yeah. get that. So how are how are one of the ways? So you're saying there's a way that we can make it more accessible, that we can make it more, you know, not constrain the system. Right. And one of the one of these solutions is to make data open. Uh -huh. So if we increase the transparency of the science, then the reproducibility will follow. Mm -hmm. So as long as our data and our, our methods are more open, more freely available, free being one of the keywords, mm -hmm. yeah. then it can go under more scrutiny, um, forcing the researcher to just check a little bit longer yep. before mm -hmm. publishing it. And yes, there's this constant push to publish to get more out, to get more funding. But if we just kind of open the borders a little bit and mm -hmm. let everybody analyze it a little a little bit longer and give more people the chance to look at it, it'll force us to slow it down. It'll push better science out. Mm -hmm. Or maybe if in our tenure system we appreciated people who call other people out or, you know, yes. um, contribute to other people's work rather than, you know, f focusing on their mm -hmm. one project. But retracting still a paper is not as popular yeah. for a journal as... <laughs> publishing new data. Yep. They mm -hmm. would rather publish a new paper than retract a bad one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And retracting a paper looks bad on the journal and because it looks bad on their peer review system yes. and it looks really bad on the researcher um, because it's like saying, well, yeah, we, we screwed up and um, let's, let's just retract, mm -hmm. retract this, this paper. Um, yeah, never, never mind this paper and ignore everything else I say. Too. <laughs> it's kind of hard to hard to do that. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that um, this seems like the area in which pharmaceuticals and or you know, big anything companies, <laughs> big um, anything, yeah, yeah the, they've got it right. Mm -hmm. And there is no incentive in that situation to produce anything that is less than accurate. In my opinion, you know, granted, I've never worked for one of those, but um, you know, if Neither, neither if the money is yeah. on the line and if your boss mm -hmm. is going to be really mad if you said it works and it doesn't work, then yes. you're you're very, you're going to scrutinize a lot. If the drug is not going to reproducibly give mm -hmm. you the result you want, you're not going to make money off yeah. of it. So it's going to kill gonna that fired. project. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never worked for those companies either, but you can read some of their comments uh, out there publicly and they get really frustrated with academia. Uh huh. Because you know, mm. if... If a whole lot of these papers are just somebody desperately grabbing for the scraps of, you know, valid stuff there and putting it out there, they're going to spend a lot of their money right. trying to reproduce that and make something, you know, profitable out of it for themselves. And it's mm -hmm. not going to work, mm -hmm. at least not nearly as often as they would like. So obviously they have their selfish reasons for it, but sure. it's a legitimate, you know, concern that, um, you know, maybe we should decrease the number of incentives for people to desperately put out whatever yeah. kinds of good stuff. is. And there. at that yeah. point, you stop spending money on that extra stuff that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And you stop spending however many billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, apparently funding agencies are making a push. Yeah. So funding agencies are making that push for reproducibility. So um, how are people trying to fix this? So they've encountered this problem. They know it exists. Um, so how, how can they fix it? So the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, uh, which is one of the major granting um, funding institutions for, for academia, has put out a different, some, some kind of steps uh, to, to fix this. So um, one of them is allowing a, a new, they call it biosketch. Uh, so this format allows for grant applicants to describe their most important scientific accomplishments instead of just listing where they've been published and how often. Mm, that's so true. that way you don't look necessarily onto what is uh, just the number, just just that one number that there is. Um, that that happens in there. Um, the National Cancer Institute has launched uh, another program where they provide seven years of funding instead of four. So that allows more okay. time for new researchers to get this. And so it's increasing a little bit more uh, on, on, the funding, on the funding side. Um, also, there is, uh, for going back to the NIH, they are now kind of, I wouldn't say requiring, but they are now asking... Um, 
scientists to address several new questions in grant proposals. And there's a one section called the rigor and reproducibility. And pretty much is stating how you would avoid faking results. Mm -hmm. um, so it's addressing it from the get-go. Before they even give you the money, how are you going to prevent this irreproducibility issues? Um, of course, there is, you know, some, some sort of way of, you don't know because science is supposed to be novel. It's supposed to be new. So how do you know that you're making a mistake? Mm -hmm. um, so you go back to that cycle, but um, NIH is trying to prevent that because they've recognized that it's a big issue in, in, your, in, in your research. A couple of um, other groups have started emerging that are focused on addressing the reproducibility crisis, I guess I'll call it. Um, and one of them is called the Reproducibility Project, and this one was specifically focused on psychology, which again we don't mean to pick on. It just, it just. No, this, in this case, have, it's a good one. In this case, it's a good one. That's good true. Good job, psychology. Um, and it was <laughs> 270 contributing authors repeated 100 published experimental um, psychological studies to see if they could get the same results. And so that was one one effort for. Researchers to say, hey, we recognize that there's a problem. We should we should work together to see how many of these popular things mm -hmm. are out there. And then another one is validation by the Science Exchange Network. And this is a company that are, as a researcher you can um, contact to say, here's my project, here are my results. Can you or, or someone that you work with find me a group that can reproduce these results? I want... Yeah. separate verification that what I'm doing can be done. So it's like a collaboration, only you don't have that conflict of interest of saying, hey, buddy of mine, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> oh, see, yeah. see if you can do this. And then, you know, they want to work really hard. to. <laughs> and I will say that in um, computer engineering, uh, within that field, people will share codes and the data that they ran the code on. Nice. Oh, with cool. other researchers to verify. Yeah. See, then you, you can be a little bit more open about your data yeah. and yeah. then improve it. Yeah. And it and prevents this still, problem. And prevents yeah. this problem. You still get credit for it. You know, everyone loves you for sharing your code. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's how it should be. Yeah. 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 So there are issues and they've been identified sort of um, and people are trying to, to work on, on these issues and, you know, for the purpose of advancing science mm -hmm. and getting a good way in into science and getting the drugs that we need so that, mm -hmm. you know, we don't spend billions of dollars in those treatments. If we get to a better drug for cancer treatment for any other disease that it's that it's out there, then, you know, you advance the field, you advance the science and you help people out. Yep. I think reprodu or uh, transparency in any field is seen as a good thing and we need to be working on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, with that, uh, we're going to finish up our show for today. Thank you for listening. You were listening to The Big Electron on KCU 88.1. Have a good night and we'll see you here. No, we will hear you. You will hear us <laughs> here next week. Have a good night.